You're listening to the AID Network. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Disneyland for Designers. Yeah, about last Wednesday. Here's the thing. I was taking a break from my regular job, which is Adventures in Design. I got way deep into the woods of being over on YouTube and Twitch and creating online streaming content and editing video. And I just said, you know what? I've already done way too much on a week off. And if somebody really needs a little weekly Disneyland for designers, because I did promise I would be here each and every week until they reopen Disneyland, you could have heard me over on the Sweep Spot podcast where the guys had me on as their guest to talk all about Star Wars Galaxy's Edge as they're going around the park and really kind of focusing in on land by land. So you could have heard me over there. And then again, over on YouTube last week, I put out a new thing that I'm doing every Wednesday, which is a video over on YouTube where I talk about that week in Disneyland news and my perspective of the Disneyland news, the things that excite me, the things that invigorate me, the things that scare me my perspective on things. So it's not going to be, you know, every popcorn bucket and headband that's released, but the things that intrigue me from my level of exploring the park, my passions related to the Disneyland park. So there was some content there, but if you showed up looking for a Disneyland for designers, I hope that you missed not seeing the show there, but I'm back. I just, I was spreading myself too thin on a vacation, but I'm back today and Jared is with me. Before we get started with our conversation, I would like to say if you want to go into virtual Disneyland with me and Club 1313, this Sunday is the 13th of the month. And you know what that means? That means we're getting together and even though the park's not open, we're going in anyways. This Sunday's theme is Sunday morning on Main Street. You can meet me at 8 a.m., this Sunday, Disneyland time, over on YouTube, Adventures in Design is the channel name, or over on Twitch, AID Network's the name, from 8 to 1 this Sunday. We're going to start over on Main Street. We're going to look at a lot of the deep, rich design details and legacy that is Main Street USA, the most perfect land that they ever designed for Disneyland. It's the only one that hasn't required any editing, well, minimal editing compared to the others. And once we've kind of Worked our way through the history and the fun facts that is Main Street USA. I got a fun curated list of other locations around the park that I believe are reminiscent, inspired by Main Street, or on that same emotional note that Main Street brings to all of us. So if you're missing the park and you want to go into it virtually with a fun group of Disneyland fans, then maybe it's time you join Club 1313 when we get together on the 13th of every month, and we're going into Disneyland one way or the other. I mean, at one point, it'll be IRL, but for right now, it's whatever means necessary to make us feel like we're in the park with a bunch of friends. That's this Sunday from 8 to 1, Disneyland time, over on YouTube, over on Twitch. You can find me there. What do you say we get started with today's episode of Disneyland for Designers, episode 35, two friends sit on a bench in Disneyland right after this. Hey, Disney fans, do you have a Disney fan brand? Do you like to show your your fandom by making limited edition merchandise for you and all of your friends? Or do you like to design a shirt for the family to wear to go out to the park? Did you know that you can do all this and save money and get free shipping by listening to this show? Head over to our sponsor, jackprince.com, where you can get site-wide discounts by going to jackprince.com slash C-O-T. That stands for Circle of Trust, and Jack Prince has been a supporter of Adventures in Design, the AID Network, and the Circle of Trust since the very beginning. And they pass that sponsorship over to you by giving you a discount 
site-wide. So whatever you're making for your fan brand, head over to jackprince.com slash COT, save some money, get some free shipping, and who knows, maybe you'll discover a product to let you share your fandom with all your friends and fans. This is the story of a beautiful place known as the happiest place on earth. And all of its history, its secrets, and its tricks that you may find if your mind believes in design and you allow your heart to believe in magic. Step inside and become a citizen of Disneyland. Greetings, fellow citizens of Disneyland. Today's episode is an episode that I've wanted to do for quite some time. No, we don't deep dive into the history of one particular attraction, and we're not going to break down all the fun little details of one of your favorite lands, and we don't have a bizarro top 10 list of things that are all drawn together by one central idea that, that ties these pieces of Disneyland together. Today is two good friends sitting on a bench on Main Street, USA, doing what we did when we could go into the park. When Jared and I would get together, we would always go to Disneyland. We would always find one of our quiet spots that we enjoy so much. And we love just sitting in the park and talking. Professional illustrator, designer, creative, freelancer to to the same. Talking about our careers, talking about the entertainment industry, talking about Disneyland, and talking about it all from the perspective of hopefully what you would think is an intelligent fan who really cares, of course, about the magic, of course, about the story, but also about the business, the corporation, the way things come together, the way things are successful to ensure that more things that we love continue to follow. This is a conversation between two friends sitting on a bench in Disneyland. And I hope in your mind and in your imagination, you can go there and listen to our conversation or remember all the great conversations you've had with your own friends and loved ones on a bench somewhere inside of Disneyland. It's episode 35, Disneyland for Designers, two friends on a bench in Disneyland. How you doing, bud? Uh, as good as can be expected. I think I say that every time. Uh, time is both standing still and moving ahead rapidly. Isn't it a weird time continuum of everything feels like it just happened and then again it also feels like it's been the longest year of your life like it time is such a weird construct these days mm, for sure uh and both uh you know it's kind of nice it's kind of frustrating it's kind of terrifying kind of depressing it's kind of everything which makes it even it kind of compounds the emotional aspect of it which i kind of if i get what you're saying is it kind of depends on that exact second yeah, <laughs> how you're feeling and how you're being affected by everything that's going on. It it is definitely weird that our beloved Disneyland was closed three days in its history of sixty four mm-hmm. years, and now it's been closed for a hundred plus days. Like yeah, it is terrible record, terrible record, terrible record, and terrible time to be a fan. You know what I mean? Like, why did this mm-hmm. have to happen on my watch? You know, yeah, like exactly. <laughs> why, why me? Why me? Why me? Why me? <laughs> So it's interesting because we're getting into this moment where we're getting so far away from what normal was like that Mm -hmm. the perception of what could be the new normal 
also feels far away. Like nobody knows anything, even though there's a headline every day of somebody being like, I, Hey, I know something. I know something's coming, but I can't really tell you the details. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think every day that goes by too, I'm just getting more and more resigned to the fact that, you know, while we knew from the beginning, it's not going to be a flip of the switch and we're back to normal. It's going to be a long, long crawl back to anything resembling that, which, um, I think every day that passes, I'm like, this is going to take even longer when you think it's going to take a long time. <laughs> yeah, I remember people being like, oh, you know, this could go to June. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now the summer's over with. So it, it's definitely interesting. And it's definitely interesting how everything else is moving in a different pace as well. So for you, what did you think about when you heard that Milan was the first big summer movie right because not only are we at the end of summer with no disneyland we're at the end Mm -hmm. of summer with no summer movies like the big popcorn movies where you go in for two and a half hours dare i say you walk out a little bit dumber and you're cool with it right like to escape from all the the stress and pressure you go into this air-conditioned box you eat that delicious big bucket of popcorn that costs you 38 dollars and you just get absorbed into like special effects and characters and places and faces that we could never go. That didn't happen this summer. The only thing that we got worthy of talking about movies was Milan and the whole Disney plus thing where you have to pay extra for it inside the app. Like what's your vibe on that? Um, well, of course it makes sense from a business standpoint. And you know, this is such a strange discussion that's been going on forever. And that has just been sort of forced on us now with this pandemic and the current situation. But we've always talked about, oh, it's going to be, you know, the future is going to be streaming and watching these things from home. Right. Or at least to have that option. Um, So, uh, you know, to me, it makes sense. Like they've made this big expensive movie. Uh, They need to make some money back on it. Right. So, yeah, of course, maybe it won't make a lot of money back. Maybe this will fail. And everyone's just going to hold tight until December. Uh, but maybe they will. Maybe people will be like, hey, let's, you know, we would have spent more than $30 to take the two kids yeah. and us to the movies. What's the difference? Let's just let's just do this. It's fun. Um, I, I think for a single person or a couple, it seems like a very expensive, like, investment and stuff. But I, I don't know. Like, Netflix has screwed us up with this idea that sort of everything should be kind of free, right? right it should just right. be out there. So I think this has always been the scary transition to that. And maybe this is the best situation to get us used to this but i don't know i i do plan on paying for it (laughs) that's i was just gonna ask you i mean you're home by yourself one weekend you have nothing else going on in a normal weekend a guy like you going to disneyland or going out to eat or going out with friends you could easily and i'm not calling you a baller but everybody listening you could easily if you lived in southern california a weekend could cost you 500 dollars. oh yeah i mean i've gotten gas once during this whole pandemic. <laughs> Isn't that insane? 30 bucks right there, Isn't right? That insane? <laughs> so I don't know. I know it's it's not that case the case for everybody that can be costly sure. for some people. Sure. Or some people are just very angry about the fact that Disney is is producing it this way or, or rolling it out this way. That's a whole different uh, discussion. But I don't know. To me it didn't knock me off my socks when I saw the price or, or anything. I'm happy that this movie's out there. It's so unfortunate that this was happening for this movie. This wasn't like Dumbo 2 or right. you know something like that. It's like this was a, a big like sort of symbolic thing, sort of like an Asian Black Panther thing, right? We're yeah, she's the, the first Asian ever movie. female samurai. 
Yeah. So, <laughs> so she has to fight the golden. To this. She has to fight the golden tiger to take over right. the reign, and I can't wait <laughs> to see that. On the, I mean, it was so great animated the first time. But, yes. See, this is where our podcast gets interesting mm-hmm. because we're both, admittedly, huge fans of of Disneyland. Mm-hmm. And you are a, a, a big fan of the Disney brand in general. And I'm a, a, a medium-sized fan. I fell in love with Disneyland and then backtracked and everything else. But at our core, we're both businessmen. And we're mm-hmm. both businessmen derived or derivative of the arts. So I, I feel like sometimes when I see fan uproar over these things, I'm like, maybe I'm not the best person to comment on this because I think that the price is low. Uh, I think that this is an incredibly great deal. Just the the convenience of watching mm-hmm. a movie at home alone to me, I feel like it should be a little bit more than the movie ticket because you're making my life so incredibly easy. You know, like yeah, just yeah. not having to pay for, you know, out of market snacks. Although I do miss that good popcorn. Haven't had that popcorn all summer. Mm. But big uh, difference. I, I think that sometimes and I and I hope that people enjoy our podcast because we give them a perspective other than like the fan perspective, because obviously we're fans first and foremost, but business and life decisions have put us in a realm where I think sometimes we see things differently. So when I saw the price of Milan and, and an upsell, I'm like, oh, that's really, that's really interesting. That's really strategic that it's a set price that everybody can afford to just get our back content. Mm-hmm. But if you want to be an early adopter, there's a supplemental price that kind of helps us spread out the huge investment on making a movie like this so that we mm-hmm. can reinvest and, and make more. So I, I really thought that that was great. And I've been somebody who's been following the voyage of VOD for a long time, because after all, my career started in the music industry and we dissolved the fastest because our file size was the smallest. <laughs> and that's the only thing that didn't make Napster happen to film first. <laughs> so, do you think that the future would be eventually that there would be the option for both? Because I don't look at it as it's one or the other, or this is going to kill that one or something like that. Yeah, I, I think that had, if the world would have stayed the way that the world was in 2019, mm-hmm. VOD was coming, like a, a VOD strategy was coming. And, you know, I read Variety and I interview a mm-hmm. lot of people that make movies and, you know, everybody in Hollywood knows this is coming, but just nobody had really figured out what that perfect code was to do day mm-hmm. in, day release at home. And, you know, this is one of those moments, COVID-19, is that it, it, it speeds up some businesses and it puts other businesses on pause. And mm-hmm. this was a business I'm like, this is going to get escalated big time. And, you know, Beth and I watched King of Staten Island, mm-hmm. uh, paid, I guess, 20 something dollars for it. There's no way we would have taken a Saturday night to drive down to Marina Pacifica, the closest movie theater to our house. I could have got Beth to go do that. Like we, They got a customer where they never would have had a customer. I believe, despite all the, the arguing or people thinking the price point's too high or whatever, I believe the, the Milan numbers will just blow the door off the barn because there's such a pent-up consumerism out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would hope. And that's what I would think, too, Um yeah, everyone's obviously going to be watching this very closely and whether it does well or whether it does poorly, right. there's going to be all kinds of theories about why that why that happened. And could this happen under normal circumstances and things like that? I think something like the King of Staten Island is a great example of something that I don't care where I see that. 
I, I could watch that at right. home. I don't feel like I'm right. missing out on some kind of thing. In fact, you're probably going to get a better uh, experience because you're not with these jackasses in the theater that are going to pay that much money to see the King of Staten Island. <laughs> right. And they're really essentially they're there for a date night. And that nine fifteen was the slot that opened up after Olive Garden. So they're mm-hmm. just trying to slide right in there and keep the night going. Whereas, you know, Beth and I were able to watch it, pause it, let out the dog, pause it, go get a snack. Like that is, is, is really liberating. Yeah. VOD uh, day and day release. That is something that is just, it's on its way. This is escalating. And I think a lot of people, this is a really, this is a dangerous time in many ways, but it's a very safe time to kick mm. the tires on a business model and see what's going to happen, what the trial is. In regular times, like let's say that we get out of the, the COVID bubble. Sure. A Avengers movie, I'm going to probably still want to go see that opening weekend with fans. Big right. screen big sound mix and I want to feel the 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 buzz cuz like what made in game so awesome is that I was in a room full of 750 individuals that also thought it was awesome right that's right that's right but if my traveling or my work schedule or my disney landing affects me getting there in the first 5 or 6 days I'm watching that at home because the audience has shifted over to people that don't mind talking during it. Or <laughs> right. when I watched one of, I watched a huge Marvel movie. I think it was the first Avengers. I think it actually mm-hmm. was in game. I sat next to a woman that had never seen a Marvel movie before. And her, mm-hmm. her boyfriend or husband decided to describe to her everything that she needed to know. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you yeah. kidding me? Like, this is when you show up and you show up next to me. At that moment, I wish I could pull a ripcord that was $50 that would put me in my living room. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, the, this thing about this one, though, uh, what's sad is I think the future of this would be that hey, we should all get together and watch Mulan. $30 is nothing, right? You get five people, six people, 10 people. And that makes it more fun. And it's a party and it's a different, like now you guys can talk and be jackasses, uh, but you're at home and and it's, you know, just do it like that. Or or you can watch it again afterwards or something like that. So that's the sad part about this is uh, you probably shouldn't have a party right now to have people over. No, no, but Um, you're saying that it might encourage that like, you know, when people call foul, like, oh, but what if people have a lot of, you know, industry people? Well, what if people do watch parties for an yeah. Avengers movie and we only sell one VOD versus five, 10 tickets? Right. Well, right. Talk to Vince McMahon over at WrestleMania because <laughs> for once a month, they've been doing a premium stream, a premium pay per view, and people do watch parties and bars show it. And their numbers are still huge because you're also derailing the whole movie industry where everybody's taking a cut or taking a, a percentage out of it. So, right. Um, right. It, it's definitely interesting how that's going to go and you know something else i believe that is going to just blow the barn doors open is there is so much pent-up fandom for mandalorian season two because that is going to be the real first like anything that we get that feels like Marvel or Star Wars or action. I mean, I know Milan is in that same category, but it's not your traditional action movie. You know, it's it's right. it's a it's a different kind of beat, a different kind of movie. But as far as like those superhero tropes, Mandalorian season two, ten episodes, I hope. That is gonna be crazy if that still releases in October. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could probably pay for the, uh, you know charge for that. <laughs> I would. I, I, I would. Be, yeah. <laughs> you know what's interesting about Mandalorian though, uh, Jared, is that for a long time, people in the entertainment industry have been sort of complaining that you now have to share the spotlight with everything because there's cable, there's streaming, mm-hmm. there's TV. You know, there's there's so much media out there to get big numbers anymore. It seems impossible because you're constantly competing against everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mandalorian is going to come out in a vacuum where Mandalorian is going to get all of the attention each right. and every week. I mean, it is really the fact that the way that they filmed the first one and had the second one near completion when we saw season one, like I it is going to get numbers that are not even fathomable. I agree. I agree. I mean, let's face it. That is at this point, that is Disney plus, right? Like that is the main, uh, you know, Hamilton was a one time kind of thing. And I, I know they got big numbers for that. You know what Hamilton is? That's that? one shot. Hamilton was <laughs> one shot. But that's not sustainable. You no. know, it's not like that was built out even over multiple episodes or anything like that. Um, so I think without, you know, Mandalorian, Disney Plus is, well, it's a good sort of repository for everything. Right. Um, it's it's a little sleepy, I think, when it comes to the original content. Um, so I, I thought we would have seen more by now, uh, more Agreed. Marvel shows Agreed. popping up or, or something else. So maybe next year, I don't know. Well, they made a lot of announcements about these are the things that are coming. But the drip has been pretty slow. Uh, mm-hmm. And you have to think, how much did today's environment play into that drip? But, you know, speaking of not getting a lot of new news, this past weekend would have been Star Wars Celebration. Yep. Which made everybody think that over this weekend, we would have got some sort of Star Wars drip. And nothing came out of the faucet. Yeah. Nothing. I'm like, I'm surprised, like, this seemed like a great time because some of the, next to the Mandalorian, the best thing I think they have is all this vintage, uh, like, Walt stuff, the old, uh, you know, documentaries or, right. or uh, TV episodes and stuff like that. I thought they could go hardcore on that. Like, they could make that into a show where yeah. someone just sits there and hosts it and says, well, here's a clip of Walt doing this, and here's a clip of Walt talking about this. Like, just put that out once a week, and people, I think, would go crazy for, like, they have they're sitting on top of all this fantastic stuff that they're just either just sort of dropping out there and saying oh you can watch this thing now instead of just like you could especially with disney people in general you can recycle this and make new content out of the old stuff i'm going to go out on a ledge and say the reason why they didn't do that is right now with the current social climate they mm. want to sit low on walt for a little bit mm, mm, you know mm. i i think that if you Bring out this guy who's become the mascot for adults and you really wave a flag about like, look at all this great footage and look at his vision, look at his dream. I think you're going to get a certain uh, population that starts like digging into Walt and throwing stones. So I think right now they're like, let's let's lay low on Walt for a little bit. That's just my own (laughs) speculation as someone who creates content for a living and you try to look at trends and you try to read the room. I would think that that might be the way that it goes. But question for you. Mm. Did you love, like, or were you frustrated with Mandalorian season one? I don't know if I know your read on that. Oh, I love it. Uh, I think it was, um, like I said, uh, I think the tone is just perfect. Yeah, It is everything that we are missing from this last trilogy is in like two episodes of the Mandalorian. Yeah. There is more 
actual Star Wars feeling in like five minutes of that show, then I think we got the whole new trilogy um, because it doesn't, it's, its focus wasn't to kill the old trilogy, right? Right. Like it was still moving forward and yet fine paying homage to the world that it comes from. Um, so I loved it. I, I think uh, the episodes were a little uneven, but yeah. the tone was so good and, and the writing for the most part was fantastic that it carried it it carried it through. It started great and it ended perfectly. And so you forgive everything in between. Well, you know, yeah, with, big with, fan. with TV, you get uh, different directors doing different episodes right. and you get different writers. So it's really hard to keep that continuity of consistency over eight different episodes. And in the middle, it almost got to be like adventure of the week type of thing but it mm-hmm. it ended strong and it started strong and i think the thing that you said that i agree with absolutely the most is take five minutes of it and it feels more authentically star wars yeah than any of the the last three movies in fact everything since disney has bought it it is so far out into first place for me on what i love the most that they've made I think Rogue One has come the closest, but that's so closely tied to episode four that, you know, it's piggybacking on that. And that's what makes that one great. But I still think that one got some tone things better. Like uh, what's great about Mandalorian is like it doesn't have an agenda, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's what I like. There's not this thing where we're trying to explain away everything, right? They're not even jumping into the Mandalore stuff too heavily. Right. Um, or, or saying like, oh, this explains why this happened in Empire Strikes Back. You know, it's it's not, it just tells these great stories. It makes Star Wars kind of, makes it kind of cool again. You know what I mean? It like does. it's not jokey. It's not playing so much on, on nostalgia and um, I don't know, like the fan servicing stuff. Uh, it just kind of plays along at its own thing. But boy, just perfect. And then they just like drop in a familiar droid here and there or or you know they visit Tatooine and that's enough they don't have to go overboard and say remember Tatooine your favorite yeah. planet yeah they didn't you know, they just do it they didn't fly past the dead aunt and uncle out in the scarecrow field and <laughs> yeah. be like oh remember that when that happened guys are still smoking that's the timeline yeah. no I, I I I totally agree with you and I think that and you know this as a creative when the stakes are really really high Creative mm-hmm. people tend to buckle under pressure, and I'm no better than that. I have buckled several times when I got a big shot, going back mm-hmm. to Hamilton again. Uh, <laughs> I have buckled several times, but so, you know, Force Awakens, J.J. Abrams was under an incredible amount of pressure. Yeah. The next two films, they started fan reacting and they could see it was going the wrong way. And this new cast of characters didn't really resonate like the the original ones did. The Mandalorian was just kind of created in a vacuum. It came out. They didn't show us a bunch of characters that we know. Like for a while, the only thing that was familiar was Baby Yoda, spoiler mm-hmm. alert, and the uh, Stormtroopers. You know what I mean? Like there there were no noticeable characters. It just felt like it was in the universe. So I think because the stakes were smaller, your expectations are smaller. Therefore, you have a window of optimism to be happier. And I just, I remember getting up early, early, like 5 a.m. on Fridays to watch those mm-hmm. before Beth woke up when the living room was still dark. And I just watched them with such excitement. And I audibly gasped by myself when I saw the child the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, amazing that that thing was kept under wraps for uh, 
<laughs> the entire production of that thing. Which, uh, yeah, no, I agree. Which bums me out that I now know way too much for season two. Oh, really? Yeah. You've been, uh, okay. See, I've been staying away from any kind of... I know I've read some snippets about, oh, this character might appear or something like that. Um, There's lots of I, mentions of who's coming and who's going and who's playing who. And that's even getting into the Obi-Wan series where Hayden Christensen's going to show up. Like, it, it, they're letting a lot out of the gate right now. Yeah, I think it's really the um, the thing everyone agrees on, though, that is a good thing, right? That we can all cheerlead. And so they're probably really big on just let's push this thing and keep everybody... Right. happy as opposed to talking anything more about the uh, the past three films so this past weekend would have been really really interesting because it would have been celebration weekend and yeah. you and i would have been at the star wars night that thursday and it was interesting because a year before this you know it lined up perfectly this weekend a year ago this past weekend i should say was d23 mm-hmm. and so Jared, you had an unbelievable D23 in 2019, your own set of Mickey ears. Like mm. you made Mickey ears, something that is so nostalgic. I mean, I think the only thing that maybe beats that as far as the Disney experience for a child is the balloon. And by the way, he's got balloons all around planet Earth. So <laughs> you did that. You released a bunch of prints. One was even Splash Mountain. You mm. you did a lot of signings. You were very, very active. And this weekend, a year later, doesn't that life feel completely impossible? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So those things are always like, there's a dreamness to it anyway, like a dreamlike quality yep. to those experiences anyway. And having this distance and having this time off really from all of that, any of that, um, makes it even seem more so that way. Um, because you, you start getting into the routine of those things and it's you're, you're just busy, 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 and then you take a break to go do these things. That's gone now. And it's just working at home and, you know, planning for it. We're, we're, we're planning for now a year ahead, like literally a year ahead. Um, so, yeah, those things seem uh, like a lifetime ago. And, uh, you know, like uh, like all memories, it, it tends to get more magical and, and sort of, you know, legendary the further you get away from it. Sure. But I think the thing that, kind of really depressed me when I thought about it. So for a D23 weekend, right? Mm -hmm. That means that you already got your work done, but you know that weekend that's almost so good and so awesome that you're tired of how awesome it is because you're that exhausted? (laughs) Right, right. That feels impossible right now. Like, think about this. This past weekend, we would have got together Thursday at the park, we would have mm-hmm. shut down the park on Thursday. I probably would have been rolling around celebration on Friday, ended up at the park f- Friday night. Sure. Saturday, I would have been rolling around the park. You would have been rolling around the park. We would have had buds everywhere. I would have had friends from out of town. And I have a strong feeling that Friday night, we probably would have been in Disneyland. Mm-hmm. When everybody's phones went off, holy smokes, Chadwick of... Mm. Black Panther has just passed away. And there would have been a reaction of like, we've got to go over to Avengers Campus. We've got to go over Avengers Campus to pay tribute. And I feel like in this weird way of like, that level of fandom would have gone over to Avengers Campus, which is not finished or not open. And mm-hmm. there would have been a mass of people standing out there, wanting just to be together as fans, be together with their hurt, 
and right. chanting the Wakanda chants, chanting Wakanda forever. Like that would have been a crazy organic fandom moment that Disney could never put on a calendar. They could never schedule. Like those things naturally happen in the park because the park is alive and full of people that love the properties and they react however they react. Like last year's organic fan grown life day in mm -hmm. Galaxy's Edge. What an amazing thing that was. Like these are things that would have happened this past weekend. For sure, uh, and and I can't I can't say that I'm a huge Black Panther fan or anything like that. But you're absolutely right. We would have been at the park. That news would have dropped, um, and, and how it would have been even more confusing, you know, being at Disneyland and then like there must be some misunderstanding or right. you know like how can this be so? Because even just sitting at home, seeing all of these posts pop up, I'm like it was confusing for a bit, right? You're trying to be like, wait, what? Um, so yeah, that would have definitely been an emotional moment there but and that just i mean that's an unusual event but i think it's just like a sign of like how much we're missing sort of in just the everydayness of it right how different a star wars celebration would have been with galaxy's edge open oh. um and just how that was all from the day that that thing opened in disneyland we were just heading for that right right like that, right that would be almost like the second opening to have that much fandom you know, descend on Anaheim for celebration and then make their way over. That was probably going to be a lot of people's first times in that part of the park. I know. You know? And, and we would have caught a buzz from their magic because they're Star Wars fans that came from wherever they live in America or around the earth. They came for celebration, knew I don't have unlimited income. I can't go to California or Florida whenever I want. I'll wait until August and I'll go there with other Star Wars fans and right. we would have seen the first ever specifically curated fireworks display for, mm -hmm. I mean I don't know if they were going to do something complicated or something weak but they said Star Wars fireworks so even if it's just fireworks to the music that would be an upgrade to what we're used to and I right. have a feeling or a belief that that would have been the night we would have seen some of those stages come to life that we've been yes. eyeballing for a year Certainly more like walk around characters or yeah. something else happening. Yeah. 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 Um, I was actually supposed to do a signing that weekend um, in association with that, with celebration, but Star Wars merch. Happen. Yes. So it's, it's been done for a long time. It gets bumped to something else though. So we'll see. We'll is see that what happens? Is that that illustration of you did of me where I'm like a crappy blue hologram? Is that yes. old old brick <laughs> old bricky that lives out in the desert past everybody That's else? Right. Old crazy bricky, yeah. <laughs> Did I ever tell you there was a place called Disneyland? <laughs> that old wizard. You know, though Jared, like, aside from walk around characters, they were encouraging fans to dress up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what have you and I said? It's the perfect backdrop, a little bit of costuming, and it would feel real. So when we were hanging out places and we would have seen all the fans walk by, it would have finally materialized. It's been like a Polaroid that we've been shaking for a year now. And finally, yeah. the picture was going to be crystal clear. You know, I'm hoping that because of the current situation with the parks and the financial situation for the parks, uh, it seems like a lot of projects are going to be on hold or, you know, at least rearranged or um, whatever the case may be. Maybe they will start relying more on this type of thing, right? Yeah. Like they could do a Star Wars night more often or a costume night or a, something like that to, um, you know, maybe we'll see a lot more of these kinds of uh, simpler upgrades for the for the experience, uh, whether that is more walk around characters or stage shows or things like that that aren't going to cost them an arm and a leg to build, but just uh, get people to come to the park 
regularly. It'll be so interesting to see how once they get past open and and get to whatever normal feels like, it will be really interesting to see how merchandising events and specialty events, like how how do they feel about pulling that trigger to try to get people like me that are locked in for, you know, a certain amount of money every year and you as well. How will they decide to flex that muscle? Be like, can we get these people to spend an extra 150? Can we get them to go and buy this limited thing? You know, like how are they going to try to flex that 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 consumerism muscle to try to get more money out of the people they have? Because I have to think for quite a while, the tour, tourist dollars are not going to be the same. So it'll be interesting to see how they do do that for sure. But um I was just looking at this past weekend and just trying to think of like, I can't even remember what it feels like to have that weekend where, all right, Beth, uh, it's 8 a.m. I'm leaving the doors. I'll probably see you tomorrow morning, maybe. You right. know what I mean? Like, just like that <laughs> unlimited, like running, running day. Like, oh my God, it's it, it just, I miss that so much. And, you know, I was really thinking this weekend we would hear some Star Wars news and we didn't, but we did get some news about a hol- uh, haunted mansion movie that's going to be coming out and i have to say that is bad news uh i haven't been following like i read the i think i read about the writer they said the person who wrote the new ghostbusters or Mm -hmm. or something like that did you Um, see that movie (laughs) did she write that new one or the one with the ladies (laughs) the lady one is what i'm what my research is telling me and i and i i didn't get go deep but if she did the lady one no offense to the ladies. Those are all amazing actresses. I love all of them on SNL. Huge right. Kristen Wiig fan. Huge Kristen Wiig fan. Like, I think she is absolutely one of the funniest people ever and a comedic genius. Mm-hmm. That movie wasn't for anyone. That movie yeah. wasn't for anyone. That was just a bad movie. And I hate having to say that when it has everything else wrapped around it. But, yo, my job is to say when something's good and to tell you when I think something's bad. I thought that movie was horrendous. Yeah, I think most people agreed with that too. Well, it's so difficult to to do what they were trying to do, I think, right? Because you, you well, you did have some of the original stars in it, which made it even kind of weirder. Right. <laughs> like to try to reinvent it or to reboot it in that way seemed I don't know, odd. I guess it's a gamble and if it worked, it would have been fantastic, but it just didn't just didn't feel right. I, I think so much of the original and I'm really the first one. Right, right, right. <laughs> Just the first one. Uh, depended on those actors being in it. Not so much the amazing story. Also that, that it was Ghostbusters, the original one, was very much a movie of its time. And yeah. so to try to reinvent that is already really, really bad. And then that trend that went through Hollywood for a while to try to re-gender or re-race mm-hmm. a movie, you know, not erase, right. re-race. Like, take a movie right. that was traditionally thought of as a white film and then, like, well, we're going to make the black version of Airplane and we're going to call it Soul Plane or we're going to do the Honeymooners and we're going to, you know, do right. it for a different intended audience. I don't know. To me, that always just feels odd out of the gate. And it makes me feel like, you guys know you could make some new stories, right? Right. Like, we're looking for some new, strong female heroes you don't need to take the other heroes and re rebrand them like that so i feel like those movies already are kind of in dangerous waters and then they go a step farther and they're not actually good movies it's like oh boy that's bad but the haunted mansion is such a beloved property 
uh, I'm so curious about what they saw in, in that for a writer to say, this is our person to move this forward. And I'm also curious, how do you tell a, like, how do you turn Haunted Mansion into Pirates of the Caribbean, regardless of who's starring in it, regardless of who's writing in it, what their, their gender or their race is? Like, how do you take Haunted Mansion and take it to a Pirates of the Caribbean level? That seems really, really tricky to me. So my only thought on this is, like, did you see the Eddie Murphy film? Ter- terrible film. But. I did not see it. I interviewed the guy who did all of the set decorations for it. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Really, really nice guy. Has a Han Solo refrigerator. Let me go ahead and repeat that to you in case you didn't hear me the first time. Han Solo refrigerator, which means he was working with ILM for a while. Saw the original mold. Mold. Sorry, the Kentucky leaks out sometimes. (laughs) Saw the original mold of Han Solo and Carbonite. Right. Decided to take the doors off of his refrigerator and and freezer. Bring them down, cast that over the top of those. Then after it dried, put a cut. So then the freezer and refrigerator doors would open up independently. Takes it back home, puts it back on his freezer. When I walked into his kitchen, I go, oh my God, is that what I think it is? He goes, yeah. <laughs> and that's cast from the one that was in Empire Strikes Back. Like That's awesome. That's an original. So he explained to me that Disney was very on with letting them get in there and do whatever. Like he even told me a story on the podcast. So I'm not saying anything. I was told off mic that I'm not supposed to share. Right. They allowed them to go into the haunted mansion early one day. Here it is. Lights are on. Touch anything. Take a photo of anything. Like literally whatever you need to know, go get it. And, um, there was a moment where he just kept going deeper and deeper. And he's like, I looked around and nobody else in the group was with me. And I was actually lost in the haunted mansion for like 10 minutes by myself. Cause he just kept going further and further into the inner corridors. It was explained to me that that was an Eddie Murphy problem. Mm. There was a lot of ego. This guy actually, he was in an office where he could see like over into Eddie Murphy's compound. Eddie Murphy had a fence around him where nobody was allowed to see him. Right, right. And this guy was up on the second floor. And it's like, I was just working and just like working on something. I just happened to glance out the window. And when I glanced out the window, Eddie just happened to be walking out of his trailer and looked up at me and thought I had been staring, waiting to see Eddie the whole time. Right. So it's like later on that day, I get a talking to. And next thing you know, my office got moved into a basement. <laughs> Fantastic. That sounds perfect. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Like, I think there are some interesting things they can do with it. And there was talk of Guillermo del Toro doing it. That would have right? been great. But that. And th- I think that seems more suitable, right? right. Something you got to go weird and, and unexpected. And, and uh, I, to, it's kind of like pirates, like to force it to be so literal. Yeah. Like it's going to make everything literal in that ride. Uh, and then, you know, they'll rejigger it if the movie's a success and make it, you know sort of make the storyline go through that um i think there are some fun things they can do with it but uh i i don't know i I don't i like you said i don't get a sense of a story right away like this is what we want to see and you know it should be this person in it and all that yeah like if there's a moment where they're running away from the mansion and like we got to get out of here this is crazy this is what we signed up for and they're like driving down like a cold you know, rainy street and it's lined with sycamore trees and then the lightning strikes. I'm like, did you see those hitchhiking ghosts in the middle of the road? Like, I I don't, I don't need it explained to me that way. And dare I say, 
the Haunted Mansion is amazing because it makes no sense. And Mm -hmm. our relationship with that attraction is with those individual rooms. And the fact that it's not stitched together as a perfect story is kind of why it makes it feel like Scooby-Doo, right? Like, it's not scary. It's kind of hokey. And history has made us think that it's amazing. So to go back through that and try to figure out, okay, what is Madame Leota's relationship with this bride? Who are the hitchhiking ghosts? What did the breakfast or breakfast? What did the wedding party dinner look like? Why Mm -hmm. did this guy shoot at this guy? Like to go back through and try to, who is the hat box ghost? You know, like to try to stitch all that together. I think it's incredibly dangerous because that attraction has showed that it's fanfare doesn't need a movie or a property to lift it right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah i mean i guess i would have thought the same thing about pirates though right so pirates to me was a surprise i i did not hear that if you know they're going to make a movie about it that right went, you know so i didn't think oh yes this makes sense and johnny depp is the perfect person to, to play a pirate um i i think the pirate stuff might rely a little i mean a lot of that was johnny depp a lot of that was just people really liked that character uh, quite a bit, I think. Um, I sometimes now you, think that he is that guy. Yeah, yeah, it seems like it. <laughs> like, I think he um, is Jack Sparrow. He has great affection for that character, you can tell. <laughs> but I think if you like it, like, we have a sense of the pirate world. Right. And, and that's not as implicit in, in the Haunted Mansion, I think. That, that oh, because you like Haunted Mansion means you like this, uh, you know, greater mythology. It's all created around that. So it feels like it would be very made for tv um because yeah. that's kind of the, the 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 thrill of that ride is that it is like an old school silly haunted house unless they went the other way it went actually really scary <laughs> which <laughs> would be a be shocker, shocker. Yeah, yeah 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 i guess but, the reason um, why pirates was successful and you know it's hard for me to say because i wasn't a hardcore fan when that came out mm-hmm. but i feel like pirates as a theme just exists out in the abyss as its own thing. Like a cowboy movie. Like a cowboy right? movie. Yeah. And yeah. that particular attraction, you're just kind of going through things that pirates do. But the Haunted Mansion was so deliberately de- declared not scary and family friendly. And so there's sort of a, a hokiness or a Scooby-Doo-ness to all the different rooms that we go through that it it feels not like this is a, an attraction that just sort of uh, is lending a tribute to the art of being scared, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not like mm-hmm. a Hall of Fame horror house, right? Right. right. It, it is specifically what it is, and to try to reverse engineer that and tell a story, I feel like it could be dangerous. Now, the original one, the, the Eddie Murphy one, did they try to make sense of what we have? Uh, in a way, it was like the first pirate shot, where it sort of, like you said, hitchhiking ghosts. You know, you go by some familiar things, um, but then they invented a whole bigger story around it, using some names that, you know, there's always this stuff where they name these characters, but we don't really know that. But the Imagineers would, oh, we called this guy Bob, and so then Bob's a huge character in the movie or something like that, kind of that kind of stuff. And 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 then. They did try to make it funny because it's Eddie Murphy, but it wasn't really funny. And so, uh, yeah, it just didn't, it didn't feel like it was needed, you know, like, (laughs) like, so I don't know. It it wasn't, 
yeah you wouldn't have watched that and thought oh this is going to be like a pirates like a franchise it came across like a disney channel movie if i was an executive at disney and i was let's say that my position is parks entertainment so i'm the guy that sits between disneyland and disney as an entertainment company and it's my job to look at things in the park and how do we turn these into entertainment i would have suggested haunted mansion mysteries shorts on disney plus where we can just literally make a really amazing 22 minute episode that feels more like you're watching a movie trailer than a movie and it just in one little vacuum explains to you who hatbox ghost is and not his yeah. relationship to everybody else, but who he is. And then another one, like you could literally take that entire attraction and make vignettes that support those vignettes and not literally tell you how they all connect together. And through that series, if one was a really big standout hit, then we could take that over to to, to a feature level. That would be my idea how you play with yeah. that property and you don't break what is easily like you talk to any fan. It will always come up in the top five of fan favorite on a long list of attractions that are historic and, and culturally relevant to generations. Like it is a un, uh, you cannot doubt the success of the Haunted Mansion. It is by far one of the best attractions they've ever made. I like that idea. And that's, that's what I was thinking too. I, I, and I think now that we're seeing like. Oh, you the, want to co producer's Mandal- credit on my idea? Way to go. <laughs> I already lost 15%. The Mandalorian kind of proves that you can do these sort of yeah. big budgety things and do it well and do it movie quality and even have it, I think, last longer than, say, a movie or three movies would. Um, but you could, like, Haunted Mansion is so full of these little things. Like, you could take one little uh, prop off the shelf and say, ah, oh, interesting story about this one. Right. You know, and, like, have some creepy caretaker that's tells you these stories or something like that and, and just goes through and creates a little more legend around some of the stuff and, and and everything. I think that would be a lot of fun. And, and that would be sort of how you maintain the fun of it without right. trying to make some big mythology um, around it. Uh, but who would you cast? You have to cast right now. You're picking the lead. We don't know who he's going to play yet, but we need a big star to... to we need our rock of the Jungle Cruise. Mm. Who's, our, who's our big star that's going to headline... Haunted Mansion. Who? Nicholas Cage. <laughs> I just got to get the Constitution. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at breaking the Haunted Mansion down into shorts, yeah, just the elevator scene alone is five different episodes. Mm-hmm. Each yeah, painting exactly. and the the well, there's yep. always my way out. I mean, that room alone has that deep of story, you know. Like, so it's 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 really deep. It's an interesting play. I'll be curious how to see it goes. I don't want to be somebody who just like, you know, dumps on art before it's created. So I'm right, going to hope right. that this woman has a way better script than um, than what was presented for Ghostbusters. And I'm sure for her and every artist, like Ghostbusters was a really big opportunity. I've already openly admitted in this episode that sometimes as an artist, you choke at opportunity. Mm-hmm. So I'm mm-hmm. sure that was a huge learning process. And I'm going to wish for a better Haunted Mansion movie. But when I heard that and saw that name, I was like, oh, that's really dangerous. We're getting into some dangerous territory with all of this news. What do you what do you feel about Jungle Cruise then, which is coming out sooner, I assume? Yeah, I mean, <sighs> Jungle Cruise, I feel like it's in trouble already. 
Mm-hmm. So the idea of floating a movie out there to kind of save it, because it evolved into this hokey thing that we have. It was mm-hmm. supposed to be, you know, the vacation of a lifetime when in 55 when the park opens. It was supposed to be a IRL representative of Disney's nature documentaries. Right. And then it got into this whole, well, I guess the elephants are ready to swim because they all brought their <laughs> trunks. <laughs> That drives me insane. So, <laughs> Paul Lind as the <laughs> I have to do a Paul Lind voice when I when I do my skipper. That'd be great. I'd go on it more. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Could you imagine an animatronic Paul Lind in the front of every boat? I um, a little scarf on over and shoots like, a little oh. like the cap gun has uh, sparklers and and like streamers that comes out of it. <laughs> Look at those hip house. <laughs> but um, I think. There could be a way that that movie pluses that attraction, but go around at a Disney park and ask 1,000 fans, what are your top five rides? Jungle Cruise isn't hitting that list. Yeah, right, right. But then that might help it too, right? Expectations are so low. There's exactly. not a big story. It's got, you've got a wide open I think there's, thing to play with. I think there's room there to make... And you can go link below. I have hats for sale. Make Jungle Cruise great again. Limited edition hats. Buy them right now. What about a movie based on Splash Mountain? Here's my thought. (laughs) We can save it. We can save it. It is really, um, we don't have to get into this because it'll just become divisive. And I don't want this episode to become that way. But it is really insane. The amount of people that saving Splash Mountain has become now their fan identity. That. That that I did not see. Well, I guess anything's possible in 2020, but I didn't see that move coming. It's funny to be like all of that stuff now. It seems like I, I mean this in the most respectful, disrespectful way. It seems Say like it. nonsense, just nonsense. And we're used to this round of nonsense for absolutely everything. They're changing the garbage cans in Tomorrowland. Let's start a petition. Let's get a group together. Right. This is not going to happen. Walt would not want these garbage cans changed. Uh, we go through this whole thing, and it starts these very passionate arguments online. And it just seems to be like this is just the sport of it now. Right. It has nothing to do with anything. So go ahead, go through the motions, then come online and see how much you love the new Tomorrowland uh, garbage cans, and, and great job to everybody involved. Yeah, I, I and I also think that this... This rebranding, whenever it happens, and it's not going to happen anytime fast. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think I think Disney is a corporation. They made a really intelligent move. There's a wave of reaction coming our way. Mm-hmm. We can just step out and say, we're aware we're doing something, and that's the best we can do right now. And I really mm-hmm. respect that. It can almost be a great distraction, too. Yeah. Like, this, is, this is an easy fight for them. They've been talking about this for... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Forever, right? Anybody who ever wrote it that has a a drop of empathy in them said, oh, this probably isn't long for the park. It feels Mm -hmm. antiquated, outdated. Some of those voices are are really, really bad tropes. And we're kind of going into a, a weird spot here. And so, you know, everything's happening. And Disney just says, look, we're aware of it. We're going to do something about it. To be determined. We'll get there as soon as we can. And they've even made some micro moves of, unloaded a lot of merchandise uh the songs have now been removed from the park loops mm. so they're doing what they can i mean we're not going to see that boat on top of the tree tomorrow uh but they're doing what they can and i also think 
this is a no-brainer of a of a rebrand, right? Like this yes. movie fits this. Yeah. It's not like they're well, rebranding it. It's going to be called the Black Hole. You, yeah. you can't wait to drop into the Black <laughs> Hole. <laughs> right in Critter Country uh, would make great sense. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. It, have, you can answer this or not answer this. Have you gotten any pushback on this topic through uh, because of the what you've said on the show or anything like that? Or, or is, are people kind of whatever to, yeah. to what's been said? Yeah, there's been personal exchanges and professional exchanges on people that just don't think that it's a big deal mm-hmm. and they think that I'm being uh, you know too much of a liberal for reacting the way that I am and and I just mm-hmm. I simply just go back and like look man at the end of the day Disneyland is supposed to be escapism yeah. and if a theme doesn't allow someone to escape their real world problems and persecutions then Disneyland is failing yeah and I mean, I think that's a pretty poetic way to to push back and kind of almost puts it on like, if you don't see there's a problem, maybe you have the problem. <laughs> right, 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 right. Okay, we don't want to talk about that anymore. No, but, you know, it, it, it's an interesting thing of how that transformation is going to happen. And, yeah. you know, in a weird way, this is why looking at this from a business perspective, this is why it's good to say we're aware we're going to do something put on pause. Because when the gates go up, time will have passed. People will be used to this. And, you know, God only knows what America will look like at that moment. But when it reopens, there will be a rush of people to go to the park to see what the new uh, Princess and the Frog looks like. And, dude, the scene when she kisses that frog and magically through Disney magic, he turns back into a prince. It is going to be so sad. I cannot right. wait for that moment. The, it'd probably be like a Pepper's Ghost mirror trick. <laughs> yes, exactly. The one thing I will say about this, and we've talked about this offline too, is um, this and other things too. You can guarantee in the future, not just this Princess and the Frog ride, but other things that are existing in the park, something will be problematic again. What we're fine sure. with right now, which seems like, oh, of course it's fine. We'll, we'll change in a matter of 5, 10, 15 years. And, and maybe this Princess and the Frog Ride will be looked at as like, ooh, that's right. not a great movie. You know, time right. hasn't been nice to that movie. And now people don't like it uh, or, or fear it's a bad representation or, or anything. Maybe, maybe the Old West theme seems condescending to that time period. And, you know, we can't have these sort of cowboy things anymore. You know, so who knows? But it, you can probably guarantee something is going to, sort of run out of uh, <laughs> sure. you know, no longer be acceptable in the future. So I think this is just one of those. One I've already started things. the campaign that I think Princess and the Frog is wrong and I'm campaigning Frog and the Frog. There you- <laughs> it just needed to be Frog and the Frog and then it will feel right to me. Here's the thing. When people get mad that things are changing, I would like to just say this to people. Do you want to be the same person that you were 30, 40 years ago. And if you're only in your 20s, do you want to be the same person you were when you were five? Like, change is a good thing because it means that you've learned, you've adapted, and hopefully it means that you've improved. So, of course, over the span of 65 years, Disney's going to need to improve things. It will have to improve things at the 100-year mark that we thought was rad right now. You want your kids and your grandchildren to be better than you. 
that should be a hope for everybody who does that whole crazy thing of having kids and then ruining Disneyland. So I'm saying that this is the evolution of society and you should want that to happen. You should want to lean into it. And not only do these changes mean you know, it creates headlines and stuff, but it will flood people back into the park when these changes take place. Oh, yeah. Because people love to complain. People love to be the martyr, but people also love new, new at Disneyland. And the line will be <laughs> super long. Get ready to wait forever. It'll be the hot thing for a summer or so. And it will literally put, I'll go with the better term, it will flood new life into Splash Mountain, which I agree. Gets me to this next topic I want to talk about. I think that Avengers Campus, even though they're going hard on the construction of it right now, mm-hmm. when Disneyland reopens, if Avengers Campus is available, say we're open for cast member preview, then AP preview, then we're open to the public. And by the way, we're also open up Avengers Campus. That would be the stupidest thing Disney could do right now. To open that... As the park is reopening? Yes. Dumb okay, explain. with a capital D-U-M. Okay, because... Okay, I want to hear your theory on this. Why Why is it dumb? Work on it now. Yeah. Get it built because you don't have the worry of guests in the crowd or mm-hmm. in the park. So you can take down the gates. If you run out of supplies, go get the forklift. Go get more supplies versus right now. Well, I guess the job site's done. Because we can't go get more, you know, paving stones because there's 50,000 people in the park. So get it done. Get it polished up. Go in there. Shoot all your commercials. Shoot all your promo. Tease us. Tickle me. Tickle my little hiney with a feather with rad photos. Show Josh looking like he's an Avenger next to the Quinjet. Get me all pumped up. But don't give me that out of the way. Disneyland itself will feel special. On opening day, DCA right. will feel special. Let it ride out. Let six months go by. Let a year go by. Let people start, you know, let let a family be like, we just want to go to Disneyland, book their tickets, fly out here. And then six months to eight months from now, when there's a little bit of a dip and everybody's been, open that park up. Get a new influx of people when you can handle a bigger crowd and resell those same people another set of tickets. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I would think that that, well, yeah, I guess so. I guess they're taking all these temperatures right now, literally and physically. You know, Yo, last night when I went to DCA or downtown Disney, it was 96.66. I was strong Ooh. with the devil last night. Very good. Yeah. Um, you know, will it be tough to get people to come back? I feel like, no, it won't. I feel like, you no know, way. you open up reservations and those reservations are going to be gone. And you know, we're going to be on that reservation system for a while. Um, so yeah, I agree. Like, there's no need to rush it. I hope that they're moving forward like crazy on it and taking advantage of this time. Um, but you're right. I, I think that's exactly what they should do. Um, better to put it up because then you're adding the frustration of trying to do this new thing on top of this already crazy reservation system. Yeah, and, and people are just going to be furious. No, I mean business 101, marketing 101. Don't give it all away at once. Right. I mean, just right. look at the, the 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 chapters of rollout for Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. You yeah. know, like they didn't say, no, we got to wait till Rise. I mean, I might even say that if Rise opened up open a weekend, it could have stole the thunder from the entire land. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's yep. such, because like, when you and I went there and rode that for the first time in January, you had a whole new appreciation for Galaxy's Edge. Mind you. Two grown men that cried the first time they saw Galaxy's Edge. 
That's right. That's right. No, I agree. I agree. They got um, a second round of tears out of me. Yeah, and then it it let uh, Millennium Falcon have its day, right? Yeah, which is, I mean, <laughs> it, you know, it's an inferior attraction. Uh, nobody would, you know, it's a D ticket, and 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 the other one is an E, um, and that's fine because yep. everything can't always be five stars. You have to have the ebbs and flows of of everything to make it good. I definitely think that Avengers Campus it should be done. They should tease us with it, film a little content in there, get us all pumped up about it. But man. Open that neck. You know, let's assume that the, well, I don't want to assume when the park opens up, but whenever the park opens up, I would think that's six months out. Push it six months out, which gets into the topic of reopening the park. Yes. This is what I would love to say to people. I'm not going to make a prediction. Mm. I did a video where I predicted I have got my emotions set, my brain, my logic brain set that I will get back into Disneyland July 21. And if it happens a day earlier, if it happens on July 20th, or no, that's stupid. July 21, not July 21st, July 2021, Bricky. Yeah. yeah, pay, yeah. pay attention here. I think that the park will reopen for its 66th anniversary, not a day before. And if it does, I'll be surprised. But this is what mm. I would love to tell everybody. Orange County is a really, really small county in Southern California. Mm-hmm. If you look at a map, LA County dwarfs it. San Diego County dwarfs it and then the real big boys San Bernardino and Riverside are ginormous so Mm -hmm. Orange County is just this little island that sits surrounded by continents of counties all of that the state of California is going to want to be in a safe area before they let the theme parks open theme parks aren't even mentioned on the new rollout from Mm -hmm. the state of California Mm -hmm. you know why they're not essential and they know that they could become a super spreader environment. Yeah. I'm happy to live in a state that's taking this serious. I'm happy to be around citizens that are trying to take this serious. I want this to be over and done once and for all. So I've made my expectations accordingly. And I'll tell you, just because Orange County pops up, they have to look at these attractions of taking large groups of people, thousands of people, Indoor, outdoor, spreading them all around. People coming from everywhere in the Southern California and out of state. Tourists come in. This is something that if you want the park to reopen, everybody, including me, we need to be a lot more diligent with how we're living our lives if we want to get to that level of safety. Hmm. That's that's my expectations. And like I said, I'm rooting for it to open. I would go there tomorrow if it was open. But I'm telling myself these are sensible expectations to have so my heart won't get broken. Huh. That's a long time. <laughs> I got there with logic, dude. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Not that not that logic has seemed to play much into any of this, um, but I feel like it will open before that. Um, uh, whether that's safe or not, unless things dramatically change, where, where California, parts of it, are finally heading in the right direction, not not great. <laughs> Right. You know, it's like we were, you know, if you had two million and you dropped to, you know, a little bit less than that, it's still awful. Um, but we're heading in the right direction. I, I think they might. The, the thing, too, is I've been surprised at how well the Florida opening has gone. It's gone very well. 
Yeah, I thought we'd be hearing horror stories by now or like we're closed this week or we're taking the month off. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was going to be just nuts or that the press would be on it so hard saying they were in another the three cases, yeah. you know, like something like that. And it's been relatively quiet and, and I'm seeing a lot of photos and things. And regardless of how you feel about visiting the park at this time, it just seems to have gone surprisingly well, knock on wood. So here's a couple of thoughts about Walt Disney World and what we can learn from it and how they're different than us. Okay. The rollout has been everything that you would expect from Disney. Safety above everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm floored that when they did their uh, conference call for their you know Q3 earnings, that they said that uh, Walt Disney World was operating net positive. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how are they making any money with numbers that small? And slowly the numbers have been trickling back up. But this is what I want to say that a big difference between Walt Disney World and California is, is that a huge part of world's fan base doesn't live in the counties that surround Walt Disney World. Right. right. A lot of their fan base are families, hardcore Disney people that come in from the East Coast, from the Midwest. That is the number one park that people from Europe travel to. So they are low right now. And I bet you that a lot of the people that are there our locals, and there's a very small percentage of out-of-towners. That's just my guess, just uh-huh. based on looking air travel, car rentals, just the way that right. the whole systems, people from other countries are having a hard time getting into America if they're even allowed at all. California is different. Disneyland mm-hmm. is a locals park. And that thing will, people are clamoring to get into downtown Disney. I waited last night. 90 minutes just to go in to pick up a $200 salt and straw order where we got 14 pints. <laughs> so oh my gosh. My theory is this, and I won't go into all the politics of it. Yeah. There's yeah. a video you can watch about it, but my theory is this. If they can't get the park open by October, November is going to bring in the coexisting of flu and COVID. Mm-hmm. So there's a small window to get the numbers right. And, you know, last time it took them six weeks to reopen the park. And I know that they've already got the plexiglass in there. Great time to be in the plexiglass industry. Yeah. But I know they've already got the parks pretty well suited for reopening, but they don't have all the cast members trained. They don't have everybody returning back to work. They don't have the protocol down. So just if we get into the clear, doesn't mean they can, you know, hey, we're good to go on Monday. They can't open the park on Friday. And... I believe that November, October, and January are going to bring a lot of society turmoil, and mm-hmm. you're going to have a pandemic coexisting with the regular flu, the regular cold season. So hope for October, because I think that if it can get open, it can weather the storm and stay open, but I just don't think the state of California wants to roll the dice on that, because the state of California is smarter than me and they also know what november december and january and february are going to bring so that's yeah, that's how i got yeah. to that, that 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 logic yeah no i agree i think that that would probably be the, the safest thing to do i'm worried that there are other factors that come into play that no one wants to talk about sort of out loud you know what i mean like yeah we got to open this thing um and then plus it's an election year and, and that's going to be awful i think that 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 stretch of time on top of everything else with the pandemic is going to, you know, you have to predict there's going to be a certain level of craziness happening around there. I hope there isn't. Yeah. But I think that's another thing to be concerned about uh, with these public spaces. And regardless who you're going to vote for, 
this election season, I'll tell you this. Don't think that you're going to go to bed Tuesday night or wake up Wednesday morning and know who your president is. Right. Exactly. You probably exactly. won't know who your president is until G- um, January 20th. That's yeah. the day that the lease is up or the lease gets renewed. And by that day, somebody somewhere will have made a decision. So there's going to be lawsuits. There's going to be people in the streets. And it's just going to be a time where, unfortunately, opening our precious park isn't going to be a top priority. Right. I agree. Are you I wearing agree. a Hogwarts shirt? I am. Show's over. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a great week. <laughs> Should have worn my Star Wars shirt. Get out of here with that. Get out of here with that. So anyways, that's where it's going. And a lot of people get really jazzed up about Orange County. But I would I would just like to get you to kind of think about like probably from a state level, if I was a governor and guys, I love Disneyland more than anybody. But you know what I love more than Disneyland? I love you and your family more than I love Disneyland. I love citizens more than I love Disneyland. I want citizens to be citizens of Disneyland. That's how much I love everybody. You got to look at a map. You got to look at it from a bird's eye view and just think about how small Orange County is. And with the re-rigging of the system, now Orange County is not out of the woods anymore because they had to take into thought of what a small part it is in a much larger environment. So with the parks now being closed for so long, Jared, I do have to say this. It has been pushing super fans like me. I know there's plenty more where I come from, like the fandom on keeping the magic alive and keeping friends together. That has been all inspiring. How so? Go ahead. Explain that a little to me. (laughs) Well, people like myself, I've been doing these live streams where we get a community of people together and we pretend like we're in the park. And if you've seen what uh, people have been doing over in Minecraft, building Mm. Disneyland and over in Sony dream platform, people have been building Disneyland's and you know, there's Reddit groups. I will give a shout out to the Disneyland uh, Reddit group and and their discord. I mean, they get together and they watch movies and they do fireworks screenings together. I mean, there is enough independent content out there and there's enough little pockets of communities where people are finding their tribe and still going after the magic. And I, being a part of that, I pay attention to the other people that are doing that. And I have to say my little community, we don't get huge numbers, but to have 60, 80, 90 people chatting like crazy, pretending Mm -hmm. like we're in the park, it does create a rush it creates a sense of community and the next day oh does it create a magic hangover (laughs) (laughs) yeah for sure i think that's uh you know that's that's the disney magic kind of right there right that kind of uh, brings people together like that in these very passionate ways um and that's exciting to see just downtown disney alone shows that right yeah just want to be that close to it it's nothing unusual at that strip of of shops and restaurants but people just want to be there and buy stuff and and just come as close to that park experience as they can possibly get so yeah i think that that's for sure it's it's gone on so long now that we've more than missing it you know it's like (laughs) it's beyond what i think anybody thought we would be uh you know we'd be away from the park this long at all so yeah i think that and i think that's great and maybe that'll make everyone a little nicer when we (laughs) when we do come back i hope so man because you know uh i've been to downtown disney twice now i just went last night on just like a crazy mission because some of us were hanging out in a friend's backyard having a pool party and then we made the mistake of looking at what the new salt and straw flavors were and then next thing you know me and my buddy chris glass were on a mission to go get 14 pints and uh, blueberry or something, right? Like berry party or something. Dude, 
huckleberry cornbread skillet. <laughs> and for breakfast, I, I don't I don't mind to tell you what I had for breakfast. I had pancakes, bacon and eggs, ice cream. There you go. Yeah, it's it's you know, it's quarantine time. Who cares? I mean, I've put on the COVID-19 and then another 19. I don't yeah. even worried about I'm not even worried about it. I'm ready to put on the third 19. Food is all I have these days. But no, I went there last night and it was different because I went there on the opening. Mm-hmm. And last night I went there with the gin pop. And, you know, let me just give a shout out to the parks. They're doing everything they can. Like last night, we waited in the line that went pretty fast. One car leaves, one car goes in. And mm-hmm. then we waited in a queue. Everybody's standing on a sticker. It feels safer there than it does at Whole Foods. Um, and a family leaves, a family goes in. It takes a while to get in. But yeah. when you go into the park or to, to downtown, it's not crowded. Because they yeah. know their threshold. You walk past the restaurants, they're less crowded than all the ones here in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a really, really great experience. My friend that I went with last night, the last time that he had been to the park was the day that it closed. Mm. And he was just like, dude, he was like just in shock and all being back on property. And he's like, this is pretty awesome. He's like, I'm going to have to come back here and do this. You know, um, it feels better than what you think being in there. So do you think that they would be unable to reproduce that in the park setting because downtown's so small and manageable? Or do you think they can translate that into the park? I think they same can, kind of sense of safety. I think that they can make the parks feel very, very safe. And I also mm-hmm. think that if they get creative, like Knott's, you know, Knott's is now full on open yeah. minus the attractions. It's a, it's mm. a shopping district. It's a food district. Disney could do that too. And everybody's like, why isn't Disney open? Why isn't Disney doing this? Disney's all or nothing. Their brand is based on nostalgia, creating magic, creating memories. Disney is not going to let you create a subpar, subpar, subpar experience. Right, 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 right. I wish they would, (laughs) but they're not going (laughs) to do it. I I I don't see Disney opening the park with the attractions closed because they reinvented what amusement park could be like they reinvented the term attractions i don't see them doing that subpar experience it just feels two steps away from what they're known for right i agree i'm just curious to see what they're learning from walt disney world but what's working what's not and how that translates to a much smaller much tighter park uh, than all the space that they've got over there and it's like you said it's people it's locals it's people coming in from um, the neighborhoods around us here and uh, not so much that they're staying in hotels on property and all that stuff that's the other thing about Disney World have you been following that the NBA being there that is working crazy well same thing <laughs> with hockey you know hockey has two bubbles the NBA has one I mean there are there are companies right now or corporations as I should say that are evolving into a COVID, a, a coexisting with COVID and making things happen. And it's been interesting mm-hmm. to me with, you know, and this is, I, I'm going to say this and I'm going to get hatred for saying this, but it's what I feel okay. in my heart and my brand is honesty. With a lack of leadership, the private sector has really had to learn how to lead themselves. And keep in mind that it was the private sector that started closing down before the legislative sector of America did, you know, South by Southwest, the NHL, the NBA, like these corporations made a decision for public safety before public safety was a protocol. Right. And right. so it's interesting to see these corporations 
come back, figure out what they need to do. And I've watched a ton of hockey games and it feels incredibly normal. You know what they do, Jared? Because I know that you don't watch sports. They have taken all of the audio beds from the video games and they literally have a DJ who live is watching the game and he soundscapes the arena sounds. So <laughs> like when a guy's going in, like, you know, and he's, he's skating it's down and, and, he, yeah. and he's getting ahead of the pack. Like you can feel the audience building. And when he misses that shot, you also feel the room deflate. Like they are live mixing an audience reaction to what's happening in front of them. That is such a skilled thing to do, but it makes it feel incredibly normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's interesting. Kind of funny, huh, in this day and age, right? You know, we have the technology to do that kind of stuff, which is great, but it seems like such an old-fashioned approach. To, oh, I know, I know. To that. So yeah. there are ways that things are evolving to, to feel normal, and I, I want to know this about you. You've been isolated, working like a madman. Yeah. Have you enjoyed this time to really sharpen your skills and evolve your because I I sent you just a private personal friendly DM one day I'm like I was looking at your artwork and I'm like you know your your design style is simple but very complicated if you really dig into it and there's a lot of people that try to do what you do but you do it with a perfect balance of tech and elegance so mm, that, it, thank that you. it's not cheap it's not easy it's not quick like if somebody really looks in your artwork there is a a plastic to it, a shimmer and a shine to it that is way less than like three ovals. That's a Mickey Mouse. Right, right. A square and a triangle. That's Donald Duck. Like there's there's a complexity in there. Have you enjoyed this quiet to get deeper and deeper into your work or are you starting to lose steam? Like where are you at creatively right now? So, I mean, I have a lot of work, which is fantastic because in this time with experiences kind of gone, everyone's turning back to merchandise as that's it. That's yeah. what's going to save yeah. all of these companies. So all of that production has, has just ramped up. And I'm sure everyone who does anything similar to mine work is, is feeling that same thing that people are calling people, either you haven't heard from in a while, all these projects are going forward. Most of this stuff won't be out until, you know, a year, at least a year from now, but everyone's ramping up like crazy. So uh, I'm grateful to have that work. Um, as far as personally, like, uh, I don't know that I specifically thought like this is the time to to develop or to, you know, because I, I haven't had necessarily more time. But I guess because since I'm not leaving the house before, you know, like you'd, you'd schedule your downtime. So, oh, got to go to Disneyland on Friday. So I better finish everything right early this week. You had me None bothering you all happened. the time. Yeah. None of that's happening now. Like, there's nothing to be like, I got to do this thing. Like, my days, there's no weekend. There's no nothing. It's all the same because that's all I'm doing is working and, and maybe going to the grocery store. Um, but it, it's sort of, um, it's made me work faster. Mm. <laughs> so I'm doing so much work. I'm doing faster and I'm taking breaks to do just personal projects or just to get a post up. And so I think maybe that translates into some of this. So my, my quick things, my one-offs 
or maybe coming up, uh, you know, a, a degree because I'm working so fast on these other things. And I can do something a little nicer in lesser time and just get it out there. I, I think what I find too is like it is a bit of a reflective time too. Sure. Uh, I'm kind of falling back on some very like familiar things, very comforting things, whether I know I'm doing that or whether it's subconsciously that's what I want to put out there right now. And I think that um, kind of comes into play. You just kind of feel that when you're when you're creating these things and what is it what is it that i'm going to create in my my free time but thank you for that that's very nice of you to stay and very generous of you well i just you know i know what it's like to be creative on the clock it's very different than being creative like i'm a creative person and you're on a yeah. reality show and like everybody says i'm funny i'm the crazy one like whenever people self-narrate like that you're like you're a douchebag but yeah you have been able to keep up a pace of creativity and keep up a life and that's not an easy thing to do and now i know that a lot of the lifestyle has been removed mm -hmm. and even though there's more work coming in like i know what it is to pour yourself into your work and i know that designers do a thing where if it's due at five o'clock you get it done at five o'clock mm -hmm. but it used to be due at five o'clock but you left at noon because you had something else to do so right there was a subconscious level of like a little bit less attention went to that thing that was due by noon, you know what I mean, versus five. But now you have all of the hours in the day to pour it in. So the work gets a little bit better because you have a little bit more attention to give to it. And yeah. I was curious, like you just said that you've been going seven days a week. Are you feeling fatigued or are you feeling invigorated? Um, again, it depends on when you ask me. So <laughs> that's a day by you know, day. So maybe, yeah, you know, maybe sometimes I will take, you know, I'll just say because it's Saturday, I'm not getting the phone calls. And so that's a different pace than say Thursday or Friday or something like that. So, you know, Saturdays are a little bit, Saturdays and Sundays are more relaxed, but I'm still working. I don't stop working on the weekends and do other things. Um, so, eh, you know, it's a bit, but I mean, look at like even with what you're doing, I think because of the situation, like you look at the Star Wars uh, fireworks you did. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you. Would you have had as much time to devote to that had this been a different situation and you had to mix in full days at the park and, you know, picking which one are you going to do? And okay, I'm not going to do a full fireworks show. I'm just going to do a five minute thing because, you know, like your schedule is so different. It adds a different sort of emotional level to everything you do, I think, right now. With the fireworks display I did, that is definitely me working out my problems Yeah, in, in my work. In my work is all a very abstract thing that there's not a direct line. You know, I don't get paid for doing that. I do that because I'm passionate about it and my passion shows through and that's how I build my business. So it's a very abstract way in which I earn money because I'm not like right. the guy with the hugest numbers, but I have a very core dedicated audience. So that's right. But the the difference is, I guess, is that the people that I was able to give that that bump to from mm -hmm. recreating the Star Wars party, I would have been recreating that bump by being there and holding up the camera. So right. the buckets are like the, the the buckets are still running over with energy and inspiration. It's just you're 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 hitting different buckets because life is giving you different obstacles. Right. right. I, I do find some days I feel creatively fatigued because yes. it's like you know you used to just go to the park and hold up a camera and now with like the live stream I'm, I've been doing I'm like I have to come up with a hook and if it's the same hook that people have seen already you know that's why with the podcast I have 
deliberately stop doing episodes all the time that are like one ride fully broken down because yeah. one that's depressing right now and two I've got to find new hooks to keep people interested. So this week, the hook is there is no hook. We're just hanging out and talking as people. And hopefully people will enjoy an intelligent Disneyland based conversation, you know? So it's a really interesting time where I have to keep reinventing myself to keep people interested. And that's really hard when there's not big headlines and new releases to just glom onto. Like it's all on my shoulders right now because there's nothing coming down the pipe. Yeah, I, I will say I am glad at this time that what I do, that, that I do what I do, because sure. I can do this at home, you know, yeah. like a facility. I don't have to have a facility that I go to or, or uh, other people that, you know, my job is required on this. And, like, uh, and, and while I am watching a lot of TV, because that's the only thing I do when you're not working, you know, sure. <laughs> aside from going to the grocery store or, or just whatever, taking a walk or something like that, um, I do find like I'm drawing hand drawing a lot more just for fun mm. than i ever did just because i have i can't you know i can do that and i find that comforting and 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 yet it's still kind of going towards what i do for a living and, and again it's like your when your hobby is the same as your professional work and you have to sort of make that distinction right uh, that this is fun and this is work but you have to bring that kind of passion to both um so i think little things like that you start working out and start kind of um you know, you're not, you're not, um, there's not like something dangling out here that's distracting me from the work. So I right. can really focus on the work because I'm not like, oh, I'm just going to finish this and get out of here. And that's um, what I was noticing. I was noticing yeah. just that, that extra little bit of TLC was starting to show through. Cause I looked at a couple of your pieces. I'm like, well, this looks pretty complicated. And so then I like really pinched in and I started looking at it and I started to realize that it, it's gone from being these cutesy simpler versions of our characters to almost this like plastic product like there's a shimmer and a shine there's a level like of a toy yeah <laughs> like a toy yeah. there's there's a yeah. very subtle layer of distress that you use as a shadow like just a lot of like really subtle blending and building that unless you've done this job you don't understand how complicated that is and once again you know that threshold of enough is enough. So none of these pieces are, oh, he reinvented his design style or his, you know, it's Jared 2.0. It's a transitional thing. You're grading, gradiating into a greater version of yourself, which is a really cool thing to see. Oh, well, thank you very much. I mean, again, I look at these character things like they're like logos, you know, yep. like I, I think it's like a because you're dealing with such few elements and stuff. It's like every little thing makes a huge difference. Um, and just like I think no one ever creates the perfect logo. You know, you're, you're kind of constantly moving towards that, you know, uh, in, in different ways. But uh, the same kind of, I think, thinking that you get so happy with something and you think this is great. But that just represents right now. In two weeks, it's not that I hate the thing, but I'm just like, oh, no, this is what I want to do. Or, oh, yeah. You know, like, I'm, I want to go in this direction, even though it's still Mickey Mouse, which is kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, you like you can endlessly draw him and it can always be sort of a slightly different different take so i think that's the fun of it for me otherwise it would just get boring drawing you know three circles and a smile on everything when i used to get interviewed as an artist a lot people for whatever reason and even just working in the booth at art festivals and stuff people was mm -hmm. like so what's your favorite piece and my stock answer was like my favorite thing that i've done is always the last thing that i just did right because right. i haven't learned to hate it yet 
but yeah, give me a week right. and I'll get there. And, right, it, and, right. and it's like that with content, you know, like everything I make, I'm like, wow, I'm so proud that I made this thing. And then I resent it and then I make something else. And that's normally a pretty quite quick pocket. Mm-hmm. You have a following of people that collect your artwork. They know who you are. You know, they they like your world that you build. What has it been like for you being isolated during this time period, but having a community? You know, it's not like you're a mechanic that's just mm-hmm. sitting at home and like, well, I still wrench down in the garage. Like you have a portal of people that care about what you do and they talk to you. Like, has that been crucial or important to you? Have has has that bond with you and your audience grown a little bit more to this? Or you find yourself wanting to be a little bit more distant? Like, what's that part of social distancing been like? I think um I think it has grown to some degree that again, people just have more free time right now. So I right. think people are on their phones even more so now than than ever before. And engaging, you know, looking for ways to sort of engage and stuff like that. So that has upped a little bit uh, for me. That's something that's sort of manageable from my end, right? Like But have you taken more enjoyment into that? Um I don't know that I've gotten more enjoyment. I've always enjoyed that aspect of it, but I, I think I've come to see how important that is. Yeah. And, and how often, especially with Disney stuff, it's sort of less about the work and more about that connection. Yeah. Um, uh, and that you can maintain it through social media. It's its own thing. It's not like, oh, we're all best friends or something like that, but it's this social media relationship and, and how that's sort of become very important, I think, to people who do what we do. Um, and it, and it seems more precious, but it also seems like the foundation. Mm-hmm. Now that we don't have these distractions out there like Disney, like signings or new releases at the gallery, that it just comes down to this. I put up a new image. You say that you like it. I say thank you. And how that's really the core of what we of what we do on a bigger picture. You know, we're not accounting right now. I'm not saying, please go buy this thing right now. I'm just saying, here you go. Do you like this? And they're saying yes or no, or, or whatever the case may be. And and you know, I, of course, I want to go back to where things are selling. <laughs> but right now, I see that that even with that aspect of it gone, everything doesn't fall apart. That that that's sort of the heart of it all. So it's been kind of eye opening. Um, but um, I don't know that it's changed how I do it. It's just become more important. I think you've had to work harder though to be socially relevant because you don't have new stuff coming out you're not dropping right. there's new no re- poles of yeah. yeah and so you're doing an incredible amount of work and most of it is the stuff that we're not allowed to see until mm-hmm. 21 or whenever these things hit street dates and sometimes you right. might not be allowed to ever show it so i have noticed that you are doing a big load of work but then you're also carrying on your back like i also still have to say socially relevant like i can't just disappear and show up next year and be like by the way these books are available right exactly <laughs> i mean you could but, but it'd be dumb a lot of the artists are doing exactly that i think it's different too because um i don't i'm not married or have kids and i think it's very different for those artists that are working in that environment oh. where they're having to make the money but they are also having to have you know the family is behind them 24 7 now they don't go away or the kids right. don't go to school right. and, and all that so i think it's very difficult for them to do it because the minute they have that free time they're they're with the, the family and stuff like that so you know i'm lucky that i am able to do it but it is it is fun too like to you almost create your own release, you know, not as something you're being sold, but just um, there's a new image that you're going to do and stuff. And uh, 
Yeah, so it's kind of a break from that side of it, which always makes me queasy, the, like, please go buy this aspect of yeah, it, you're which just is posting, necessary. You're posting for but, the sake of posting now, right? Not, right, like, click, right. buy, sell. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And before, you'd be like, well, I don't want to do that because I got some stuff coming out and I don't want to distract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, it's just, it's been very different. I, I will say that that has become sort of my social interaction at this time. You know, with people that I'm closer to, of course, sure. having more in-depth conversations. Sure. But, that's my lifeline right now where you have these quick casual conversations with people about whatever um so i'm I'm glad we have that in our lives during this i mean if you sit down to watch a tv show and you start going through your dms and you know a three-minute conversation here a five-minute conversation there you know replying back to to 10 20 people at the end of an hour and a half you're like wow i kind of felt like i talked to some people like i have this thing now where i'm having a really hard time finding content that i can watch Mm. That makes my anxiety go away. Right. Because if the content doesn't fully suck me in, I'm only halfway there. Yeah. And that other half of me is worrying about other things. Yeah. Or looking at your phone. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, And so I'm in this limbo of like, I'm either kind of there or not really there. And, you know, my audience is like, oh, thank you so much for all the content you've been making. You've been doing this podcast weekly and you've been making all these videos and you've been doing all this. And it's like, I appreciate that. And I do it for them, but newsflash, I'm also doing it for me. And right. I need to keep that level of busy because in the old world, I was a really busy guy. Like I was always going yeah. somewhere or doing something and I can't just bring it down to eight hours a day and be like, now what do I do? Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I mean, and there, there are moments, you know, it's not all happiness. I'm glad I have the work to distract me because there are moments where it does seem, you know, you kind of wallow in it for a bit right mm-hmm. like this is awful this is terrible mm-hmm. i can't believe this is it what's going to happen when you know are we ever going to go back to normal and what does that mean and i haven't seen my family since christmas and you know just things like that and you kind of there are days where you have to sort of physically tell yourself like look you're you're okay you're not getting kicked out of your house you, you have work you know you, these are the things you have to cherish right now but you know it's it's, it's impossible to avoid those those awful days it is and one of the greatest things that i have going for me right now is that i started live streaming Mm -hmm. and when i hit record on a podcast or i turn the camera on and it says you're live i'm an entertainer and i have a switch in my head that says you have to go someplace with your energy or if that content is about being sad you have to lean in to what you're feeling Mm -hmm. and so for me that is a very important escape of like people like whoa three hours of talking in front of a camera three different times a week. Like, how can you do that? I'm like, dude, I'm in the zone there. Like, I'm just reading the the chats and if they want me to be stupid, I'll be stupid. If it gets serious, I'll be serious. Like for two and a half hours one day, I pretended, newsflash, I pretended like I was stuck on top of Sleeping Beauty's castle and I didn't know how I was going to get down. (laughs) Like... That's a fun day at the office for me. You know what I mean? But isn't like, it, that's why I think it's great that we're, we, it's sort of our, we've in the practice of doing this, right? Yeah. Like if, if I didn't have this, I would be going crazy. I know. Um, you know, and I maybe would be being a bit riskier about, I got to go out. You know, I got, I got to leave. I, I need something, something. It's nice that we are able to have something that you're, you're able to pour everything into and even have it improve it in some cases or, 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 or make it something interesting during this weird very weird time. Yeah, it's a, it's a definitely time to try to see how you can raise your game. And it's interesting because when the pandemic first struck, so many people were getting into live streaming and making content. I'm like, uh-oh, 
everybody's yeah. now doing my job as escapism. And I said, just sit back for a hundred days and that will that trend will pass because this stuff is hard. And yes, you know, you've seen a lot of people do interviews, so you think interviewing's easy until you're the one who's leading the interview and you're like, holy shit, this is hard, you know? Yeah. So um that storm has passed and then that kind of gave me the bandwidth to do some of the things I want to do. So it's been it's been really fun. But as we wrap up today, I have a question for you. Okay. It's a new segment on Disneyland for Designers when Jared's here with me. And thank you for showing up. I always appreciate your your time. I know you are extremely busy. But Jared, I didn't tell them this ahead of time. This is a new segment. Uh-oh. This is called The Treat Beat with Jared. <laughs> Jared, what's on the treat beat? What should we be treating right now? Oh, gosh. Yeah, you should have given me some time to prepare. For nope. Let me see. I want to know what your top five treats are right now. What are you, what's in the pantry right now that's burning a hole in your little sweet tooth? Let's see. Uh, okay. Smart food put out a popcorn that's popcorn and crunch berries. Captain Crunch Berries. Popcorn. So there's actually pre popped corn mm-hmm. floating around some of those delicious green and red crunch berries. Pink, blue. Yeah. Everything in there. And they've, they've given the popcorn a little bit of flavor or something. There's a slight citrusy flavor or something like that. It's not just plain popcorn. At least that's what I detect. Um, so that's interesting. When I say, oh, Captain, my captain, and I stand on that desktop, I'm saluting Captain Crunch. I just want everybody to know that. That's my captain. <laughs> um, let's see. What else? What else? What else? Uh, I had a birthday cake waffles from Kellogg's. Kellogg's put out a birthday cake flavored waffle. So it's like a regular waffle, slightly more vanilla-y. It's a, it's a frozen, you know, toaster waffle kind of thing. It's amazing what a toaster can do. And it has like the confetti sprinkles. So it's more vanilla. Any icing? No icing. You can put maple syrup. I find the maple syrup is a little overpowering because then you lose that. So it's a waffle you want to go dry. Yeah. Well, you go. So here's what I did. This is me and all the time that I have right now. Please tell me you put vanilla icing on it. No, I did cream cheese and honey. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds delicious. it's almost like a like a, a cream cheese frosting instead of, you know. So you feel a little better. It's like a bagel, right? You put cream cheese and honey, and it's uh, it's an interesting take. But that's because I have so much. Time. I tried a little maple syrup. All you tasted was maple syrup. So. It's pretty overpowering, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, gosh, I think that's it for anything that I've had that's new. I could definitely have stuff ready for you next time. The problem is a lot of this stuff is at Walmart. You have to go to Walmart to get a lot of this junk. And why would you not want to go to Walmart right now? (laughs) It is a war zone there. Uh, I actually walked in the other night that I'll go late. I'll I'll catch the end. And it was was just like, I I left. I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to stand there uh, in that line and everything. In my mind, before the pandemic, Walmart was already walking dead times. So I can only yeah. imagine what it must be like during Walking Dead times. Well, at least before you could go, you could find slow times, you know, when it yeah. wasn't just mob. It yeah. seems like, and they've greatly reduced their hours. Sure. Like they're only open until 8 p.m. or something like that. So uh, it's harder for me to find these weird treats that I'm always looking for. But, Anything uh, in the cookie I'm family? Still... Are you a cookie guy? I love cookies. Store-bought cookies? Yeah. Uh, no, but I've started eating Tate's cookies, uh, which I, I know, I've i known about Tate's. You know, they're in the green bag. You know, I hate those. Like a... <laughs> those are horrible. <laughs> There's a like a butter sugar cookie or something that they have that's really good. I think they're basic chocolate chip. There's better chocolate chip. They're so flat there. and crispy. It's like, somebody, crispy. it's like somebody bought me cookies and then drove over them in a car and said, here's your cookies. 
what are you a chewy guy or what do you what are you when it comes to cookies are you talking store-bought or like so store if we're going in the store-bought genre i have been ripping newman o's newman o's paul newman it's organic you know because you know because of the 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 mandates here um because of management and the newman o is it's better than an oreo it has a lot of cream in it. It's really like I love a good cream filled cookie. Love that so much. Yeah. 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 So do you get to eat like do you go get junk on your own other than salt and straw is pretty high quality. Oh, yeah. I would call that junk. There's, there's been plenty of food adultery. Don't worry about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've still found my <laughs> path. I found my path to greatness. <laughs> Are you doing more of that? Like have rules at all no. lightened during quarantine? Yeah, or yeah, no? yeah. Management is adjusted. Um, nice. So we have a little bit of a different pantry situation. And, you know, I think, you know, we've adjusted to pizza night once a week. Cause yeah, that looks great, though. We've been doing pizzas out on the Traeger Grill. And we just got to this moment where, like, Friday didn't feel like Friday. And, you know, like, I would literally just be like, there's a weekend coming. There's no Disneyland. There's no friends. There's no movies. And um, it would make me really sad when I'd watch the news in the morning, like, all right, everybody, happy Friday. I'm like, yeah, happy Friday, happy Monday five and Monday six and seven till it's Monday one again. And so we created pizza night just to create like, hey, it's the end of the week. We made it through one. Let's rip some pizzas out on the grill. So yeah, that's been really fun. Amazing, though. Thanks, man. I bet we're going to feel extremely busy once things start getting back to normal, right? Because sure. we have nothing but time right now. <laughs> like nothing but time. Sudden, well, there you go. going to avalanche. There's your first segment of Treat Beats with Jared. <laughs> Jared, as we end today, thank you so yeah. much for another episode. I love just kind of hanging out and going through the topics with you. Are you emotionally prepared mm-hmm. for a holiday season without Disneyland? Uh, I'm worried about the holidays all the way around. Like, it's going to be the saddest holidays for me, I think, in general. I'm already considering about, like, how am I going to work to go home? Will that be safe? Is everyone going to be sick with the flu? And then everyone wondering, is it COVID? Is it the flu? Is it this? You know, and then, like, just endangering someone at that time. I feel like it's going to build to that so dramatically that I'm like, of course I have to go home. Like, it'll just kill me to not do something just because I'm staying away from people so, you know... Like it's getting to a crazy point. So I think by then I'm just going to go home. Maybe Thanksgiving will get a slide, but I think Christmas uh, I'm definitely going to go. But just like me decorating my little apartment by myself, that seems like the saddest <laughs> Charlie Brown Christmas ever. <laughs> you know, I was literally thinking about, because we're recording this the Monday before it comes out. I was literally thinking about this weekend, Labor Day weekend, just going for it and decorating my house for the holidays. Yeah. My, why not? Right. Just like, hey, you know what? There's no rules anymore. I'm just going yep. right in. I'm going right in right now. I watched a whole TV special about gingerbread just because it was comforting. <laughs> I love it. I love you. And you probably felt like you could smell it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's going to be a very interesting holiday season. And my favorite holiday song, I think, is going to have even another level of sadness to it. I love the song Last Christmas as performed by Wham. I know. That's so funny. That's my favorite Christmas song. And I feel like it's going to have because it's already a sad song. And yes. and him passing away on Christmas was like crazy. Yeah. When your favorite Christmas song, the guy who sings it, dies on Christmas, whole other level of, of weirdness. But I feel like that song is going to just be even more brutal because I will be thinking about, man, last Christmas wasn't like this Christmas. Yes, I know. I'm starting to see things where people are asking like online and stuff to like post a photo of you in January before you knew that this was all going to go down. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's the funniest, saddest thing, you know, like we look like idiots. That guy had no <laughs> idea. Idiots. That guy had no idea. So I'm going to go ahead right now and tell you first holiday tradition already broken. Hmm. This will be the first year for me and for you yeah. in years where the first person to wish us happy holidays isn't right. Jack Skellington or Skellington. Yes, yes, yes. That's sad. It's very sad. That's that's why I'm like we're heading into this very sad zone. I almost I kind of want the parks to open just for that. I don't even know if I'd go, but I feel you like you just want to know that it's there, and it's open for Christmas, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll get there, and we'll get there together, and it'll be it'll be one to remember. But uh, for sure, I think that the best thing you can do right now is to be honest with yourself, be honest to your, your emotions, go hard when you need to go hard, slow down when you need to slow down. And by all means, remember that Disneyland is something that brings us together as a community, but it's not completely essential. It it is wrapped in nostalgia and memories and emotions, and it can stay there until it's safe. And I've just been trying to wrestle with that lately. You know, like it's I've put so much time into Disney content lately and thinking about Disneyland that it's this sort of like, you know, there's a lot going on in this world right now. And that's not the most important thing, even though I've made it a priority professionally, you know. Yeah, but like I think like we've talked about before, it's about so much more than just going to a park or, or getting yep. content or anything like yep. that. It's it's missing that getting together with people that that's really what we're missing, I think. You know, um, I'll end on this note. Uh, we, when I did, uh, you know, I, I streamed the entire July 17th, mm-hmm. 18 hours, went by Crazy. Disneyland Law. And uh, thank you for showing up a couple of times. And um at 9.30, we did the fireworks, and I did Disneyland Forever, which is my favorite firework uh, display. And that was an anniversary-type firework display, so it made sense for an anniversary-type day. And then I found this really good edit of it online where they would show the fireworks, but they were also cutting to, like, Main Street and people watching over the Small World Mall and people watching over the Rivers of America. Mm-hmm. And I started crying, and I told everybody, I'm like, if I start crying, you want me to turn my camera on? They're like, yeah, like, seeing you react to this is part of it. So I was crying and afterwards I was like trying to explain to everybody, which then always makes you cry harder, (laughs) that the thing that I was crying about, Disneyland Forever is an amazing fireworks show. It's it's got the magic out of me several times. But the part that was really breaking me down was seeing the full Main Street, Mm -hmm. seeing the park full of people. And we always bragged about going, oh, it's an empty night. It was so empty tonight. We shut it down. There's hardly anybody there. And it's like, I think right now what I missed the most is a busy, hustling, and bustling Disneyland where someone's like, I want a corn dog. You're like, good luck with that. Yeah. That's on the other side of parade traffic. That's an hour and a half. Like, yep. I miss that energy. I miss people. I miss being around people. Who knew the thing that annoyed you the most would one day be the thing that you would miss the most? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. Jared, it's always good to see you. Can't Good to see w- you, sir. Can't wait to see you uh, IRL one day. One of these days. Yeah, 2021. You know what I almost did? I was so close to doing this, but I thought you might think that it was creepy. I almost drove over to your house, Star Wars <laughs> night, and did the say anything below your window. <laughs> and I was just going to play Star Wars music and just text you like, check your balcony. And you'd open up your blinds and you'd be me out there. Bah, 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 bah. <laughs> 
That'd be great. And then people will call security and I'd be like, I don't know this guy. Well, I thought about it. I'm like, you could end up driving all the way over to his house and not be able to get into the gated community, (laughs) (laughs) which would be like such a waste. (laughs) Oh, well, there's still a chance. There's still plenty of time. Maybe you can play last Christmas. (laughs) Dude, I, I have to tell you this before we leave. And I don't know why this matters to anybody else, but Philander and I recorded IRL. Mm-hmm. And he lives incredibly close to where the Hammer Time guys live, oh, which, okay. which isn't too far from where you live. And I'm like, whoa, there's a triangle here of all my best <laughs> buds live in this one triangle that literally is a triangle adjacent to Disneyland. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, one of these days. One, one of these days, days we'll have to do an IRL. There you go, friends. Another episode. Another adventure, another little bit of escapism, back to a time of being able to hang out with your friends, IRL, face-to-face, at sweet, sweet, beautiful 1313 Disneyland Drive, or Disneyland Way. Which one it is? I don't know. You you know where I'm talking about. You've been there. You, you have to love it to have made it this far. This Sunday... Why don't you join me on Main Street at 8 a.m. Disneyland time from 8 to 1. We'll be doing Sunday morning on Main Street and then going around the park and exploring some other pieces of the park on this curated little trip I have for you. A little tour looking at things that hit that same sort of nostalgia that was used to build Main Street USA, which I say is still the most perfect land of 1955 at Disneyland. Until then, friends... I will see you either this Sunday or maybe I'll see you here next Wednesday when Philander Butler joins me and we give you all the details, all the history, the past, the present, and the future of Big Thunder Mountain. And if for some reason you just can't wait till Sunday and you can't wait till next week with Philander and you just need a little bit more Bricky Mouse in your life, head over to my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash adventures in design and at some point today i'll be dropping my weekly look at this week in disneyland news till the next time i see you friend make sure you live the magic every single day and whatever you do don't stop believing it's real it's there you just gotta feel it to believe it